Okay, hi, and welcome back to Ask a Monk. Today's question comes from German1184. You said in your Ask a Monk series, for people caught up in lust, it is good for them to contemplate the unpleasant aspects of the body. What is the proper way to do that? Uh, I did mention this, and I think I mentioned as well that for people caught up in anger, it's good to practice loving-kindness. And these two meditations are a part of um, a set of four meditations called the Araka Kamatana. Araka means to guard. So the meaning can either be um, these four meditations are meant to guard the person's mind or there's something that protects you during the time that you're practicing insight meditation or practicing real med you know, meditation to see clearly. Um, these are sort of like um, protection um, that that will help to keep you from uh, getting to the point where you can't get getting your mind to the point where you can't practice meditation. So stopping you from from falling into great states of lust, great states of anger, um, and so on. The four um, kamatana or meditations are um, mindfulness of the Buddha, mindfulness of um, of the loathsomeness or the the ugliness of the body, the unpleasant aspects of the body, um, loving kindness, and death. <clears throat> so these four meditations they have um, they have different qualities, and of course it, these aren't necessary, and I haven't included them in my meditation series. But they can be quite helpful. And they are quite helpful, and so they are recommended if you're interested in practicing them. Mindfulness of the Buddha is, is practical um, for Buddhists, obviously, for people who um, consider the teachings of the Buddha to be uh, correct, to be useful, to be beneficial. So thinking about the Buddha as an example, thinking about the Buddha as someone who um, was a really good teacher, who was, was the perfect teacher, someone who was um, free from defilement. So we often think of the characters, characteristics of the Buddha for instance, that he had great wisdom. Um, we think of the, the incredible wisdom and we read through his teachings and we great, gain great faith um, that yes, indeed, this is a person who has great wisdom and so we should follow his teachings because probably they're going to lead to the result that he says. Um, because he had great purity, so we read and we learn about the Buddha's purity and also through practicing his teachings, we come to see that his teachings are incredibly pure. There's nothing dogmatic or um, uh, there's nothing negative, nothing that is going to lead us to become brainwashed or, or, or whatever. That the Buddha was very open-minded and he was simply um, giving something that was of use to people as opposed to looking for students or trying to become famous or so on. And the third quality is that he had great compassion because he didn't obviously have to teach. He could have sat in the forest and meditated and, and passed away. But when he was asked to teach, he uh, decided that, that he would give up his own peace and, and quiet um, to give something to other people. There are many qualities of the Buddha, and this is obviously something that's more useful for Buddhists. Um, and I would encourage you, know, you to read about the Buddha <coughs> Um, one of the easiest ways that Buddhists will do it is to go over the Pali verses and, and think of, consider each word. Uh, for, for instance, when we say itipiso bhakava, bhakava means the blessed one, so he's blessed, and you learn about why is he blessed and so on. 
but I won't go into detail. Maybe in a future video I'll go through each of one of each of these individually. Otherwise, I won't have time. The second um, meditation is is mindfulness of the uh, unpleasant aspects of the body, and this this is quite useful um, to do away with the irrational view that the body is something beautiful. There's really nothing beautiful about the body at all. Um, and it can be objected that there's nothing ugly about the body either. But if you put it on a on a set of balances, um, our our idea that, that the body is beautiful is simply due to not paying enough attention to it. Whereas our idea that it's unpleasant is actually, I would say, more based in fact. And I'm only saying that as a comparison. If you compare our body to something like gold or or, or diamonds or or a flower, say, um, our body actually isn't um, on on a scale of of, of beauty, isn't very high. Uh, and and the way you you understand this is by going through the parts of the body. So the unpleasant aspects of the body is actually everything. Start at the top. If you start with the hair on your head and ask yourself, you know, what is the hair like? Well, it's like um, grass that's been planted in the skull, and um, you know what color is it, and how does it smell? Uh, you know, if you don't wash it, obviously it's going to be unpleasant. So we, we we simply look at the hair, and we're going to see that actually, you know, the hair is is not very beautiful. Um, we think, oh, look at how beautiful that hair is. But if you ever cut it off and put it on a plate, you know, would, would it look appetizing or would it look um, beautiful? You know, what we do when we cut our hair off, it looks disgusting. And people who keep their hair after they've cut it are often, you know, met with revulsion. And we go through the hair on our head, the hair on our body, uh, our nails, our teeth, our skin, uh, our our flesh, our blood, our bones, our bone marrow, our feces, our urine, our liver, our spleen, our heart, and so on. And we go through all of the parts of the body. Now, normally monks will do this in Pali, so we'll start with and it goes on, and we go through 32 parts of the body. And then we'll break them up. So we'll start with which means hair of the head, and we'll just repeat that over and over to ourselves, contemplating the hair on the head, in much the same way as we practice insight meditation, except now we're focusing on, on a, a, a conceptual um, piece of reality, you know, the, the hair or the... the the, the bones or, or the skin or whatever. And that does help you see it clearly. You don't have to say, this is disgusting. You just look at it and you'll see, well, actually, you know, it's not very beautiful. Uh, if you don't have to you know, agree that it's disgusting, but it's certainly not the wonderful, uh, incredible, attractive thing that we think it is. And that, that helps to bring us back to a more rational state of, of mind in, in this regard. The third meditation is loving kindness, and this is very useful after we meditate. Um, you know, when once you finish meditation, you should use the power and the 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 strength that you gain and the clarity of mind that you gain to, from meditation. Use it to uh, express your appreciation for all other beings and to clear up uh, a lot of the problems that we might have with other people. This is something that really helps with your your insight meditation. Helps with helps us to meditate. Um, it helps us to straighten out a lot of the the um, crookedness that we often have in our minds, wishing first for our parents to be happy, then for our relatives, for our family, for the people nearby, for the people in this area, in this city, in this world, 
go from 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 you know my house to my city to my country to m the whole world to the whole universe start with humans then animals angels gods whatever to to all beings uh, extending it out one by one by one you can do that for like 5 minutes after you finish meditating or even just a minute or two is fine and that's useful um according you know Te technically useful in terms of getting rid of anger um, it's in in a, in a broader com context it's useful for clearing up our relationships and making straightening our mind out the fourth one is mindfulness of death and this is quite useful um, to to help us to give get a sense of urgency um, you know to help us wake up to the fact that we can't just you know go on with our lives and live our lives as though we're dead or as though there were no tomorrow or so on because eventually there's the re day of reckoning and that's our death and then our whole life flashes before our eyes and we have to you know face up and whatever is strong in our minds we're going to cling to it and we're going to we're going to follow after that and we'll have to be born again if it's a bad thing we'll be born in a bad uh, rebirth uh, the way we would be mindful of death, you know, there's there's many ways. Um, the the tech the the technical method is to s simply say to yourself that life is uncertain, uh, death is certain, uh, life is not sure, death is sure, um, life has death as its end. All beings have to die. I I too will have to die one day. But you can you can adapt this, and you can you know think of. I was used to when I was in a plane. I would think about the plane crashing, and I would I would examine my own emotions because obviously that would be something very very traumatic for me, uh, and so on. So you you can use these, and you should use all of these. These are all beneficial. Uh, they're all meditations which can be used in in accompaniment to the insight meditation. Okay, so thanks for the question. Hope that helps.